Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson. Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson. Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson. Killar jag så bra som mig. Karlsson, Karlsson, Karlsson scores! Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Hey, it's good, Elon. How are you? It's great to be here with you. Hello to you. Hello, everybody. And thanks for tuning in again. Elon, I like that you said like we're going to break down all the big trades that have happened. I think there's just been one, but it gave me this idea of what if we did an episode where we broke down not the trades at the trade deadline, but the trade deadline coverage. I don't know. Like, just like talk about who, which networks covered the best and which networks. Yeah, like who had the, the best graphics and who <laughs> broke the best trades in the best, like the most effective or dramatic ways. Who who was right? Who was wrong? Can yeah. I can I build on this idea? Uh huh. What if it's like an episode before the trade deadline where we break down the trades from last trade deadline and sort of analyze how much impact they all had. You know, so that then we can decide whether or not we should put a lot of weight into this year's trade deadline. That's a great idea. Can you name, just off the top of your head, one trade that happened at the deadline last year? (laughs) Name one trade. Honestly, like, I need a moment to think and then it'll be dead air. So maybe uh, the next time you're talking, then I promise I won't look it up. Or at least do you have one off okay. the top of your head? No, like I'm already going to. Oh, Ricard Raquel. Ricard Raquel went to Pittsburgh. Was Evan Rodriguez traded to Colorado at the deadline? No, last I think he year? was a no. He was a UFA signing, but Ricard Raquel yeah. went to Pittsburgh. That's my that's my pick. Okay, that for sure happened. Who were yeah. the contenders? Oh no, Colorado got Lekkonen from Montreal. And uh-huh. That was a really impactful. Like that's probably one of the most impactful trade deadline moves for fantasy in a really long time. Like he went from being totally irrelevant to being a stud for the rest of the year. Oh, Andrea in the chat's mentioning Frank Vitrano, which is funny because I was watching a game last night and they're like Frank Vitrano, you know, former New York Ranger. I'm like, oh yeah, that was that was brief. And I was also thinking about Vitrano coming to New York because oh, well, Tarasenko's yeah. there now. Well, there have been a few, but like, did any move the needle? I guess that would be what the the show that you want to do is about. And I remember last year, everyone was talking. I feel like I remember the general vibe after the trade deadline last year being, so that that was it. But actually, but I, now that you we say it, there actually were a bunch because Vitrano and Andrew Kopp went to the Rangers and were both all of a sudden really valuable. Actually, for fantasy and Lekkonen, and like now that we're talking about it, like I think there were like four or five moves that actually really did change players' fantasy values. So, okay, I think the point should be, really, you should be paying attention to the trade deadline because there's going to be some players like that who have no fantasy relevance and will now be included. Hey, we've already had one, right? Anthony Beauvillier. We'll get to him in a sec. Oh, well, you know what? Let's change the order. Let's start the show with Anthony Beauvillier, uh, a trade from last week. He's some Someone who wasn't rostered in any or very few fantasy leagues going into that trade with uh, Vancouver, you know, in the Islanders. Bo Horvat went to the Islanders. He's, by the way, been amazing. So, Brandon, breaking down the tr- same trade from last week, but now we have more data, right? Horvat goals in three straight games now. He's not not slowing down, having an amazing year. Uh, we'll get to him, obviously. But yeah, Beauvillier, all of a sudden, as someone who's likely still available to a lot of people in their fantasy leagues, we're looking at someone who's on the top line, top power play on Vancouver, playing with Pedersen and Besser, and then also Miller on the power play, and, and Hughes, of course. Uh, Beauvillier scored in two straight games. I feel like... And now Vancouver has a good schedule next week. They start the week with Monday, Wednesday. Why wouldn't you grab him if he's in free agency, at least for those two games, and then reassess? But generally, I feel like one of our main pieces of advice on the podcast is if a player is on the top line and top power play with superstars, you probably want to get that person. I believe that we consider Elias Pettersson a superstar, right? Yeah, definitely. And so I I want Anthony Beauvillier playing with him. In fact, I want him so much playing with uh, Pettersson that I, I accidentally lost my matchup. Because I was, I, I, I didn't think I was getting cute this week, uh, keeping Latang on IR, because I, I could only drop Beauvillier. 
to get Latang active in time for his game last night. And I was like, you know what? I'm up by enough. It's going to be okay. Uh, and then I was against Adrian Kempe in his 21 point game, like, or could cup full point game. His nice. four goal game on seven shots. Yeah. And I ended up losing by uh, 15 hundredths of a point. Oh, no. To, and, and I was winning with like three minutes left in the game. And I was afraid to check until now. Anyway, this is me realizing I lost. The dream is over. Uh, but okay. The reason I, I brought all this up is that, yeah. I was ready to take a bit of a calculated risk that seemed safe at the time or safe enough because Beauvillier playing two early games next week, top line, top power play is someone appealing. And for me, that's like, oh, well, I'm going to save a move. I'm going to take this small risk that I think is going to pay off. It didn't. But I, that way, I'm I'm basically going to be able to have my first stream already in my lineup next week because Beauvillier, I've had him for the past week he hasn't like blown the doors off he had a great game while he was on my bench on saturday unfortunately and like i'm not completely blown away or wowed from beauvillier but again two early games next week top line top power play playing with Pedersen. um i would stream him in for sure for those games um and one thing that i have noticed in beauvillier's numbers is that i think he's finally like he has had turns with Brock Nelson and Matt Barzell who have had successful scoring seasons while Beauvillier has floundered alongside them. But I wonder if his role in Vancouver is actually like, yeah, you can go ahead and produce with Elias Pettersson, even though Rick Tockett is still defensive minded. And I think we'll talk a bit more about that in uh, a minute or five, but this seems to be a situation where Beauvillier might be on the most offensive line he's ever been on. Uh, and the numbers so far, in, in a very small sample, of course, bear that out completely. Uh, Beauvillier's lines, like his on-ice expected goals rates, are like sky high right now in Vancouver playing with Patterson. So I'm going to ride that out. I'm going to see where that goes, especially while he's producing. Like I said, I'm not convinced that Beauvillier is like a superstar in waiting, but I think this is a nice new opportunity. He's got great deployment, couple of the games next week. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm into him until he disappoints me, which, which could be pretty soon, but I'm, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on things. Yeah, I mean, if, if he's bumped off that line, and we don't know if Tockett's going to be a line blender or not, if he's bumped, then obviously I'm, I'm going to lose interest. But for now, I like him by. And by the way, I'm, I'm taking a look. This is very heartbreaking, your loss here. 269.2 to 269.35. That's that's rough. Um, yeah. That's a high score, too. But uh, I'm, And I'm had I dropped here, Beauvillier, I would have won. Well, I was going to say, you know, it's not that your mistake isn't that you didn't drop Beauvillier. It's that you benched Beauvillier on Saturday uh, and you lost out on his goal and assist. If you would have put him, you have a bunch of guys who ba- barely had like a point. A, yeah, a I should have played him over Forsberg, who got injured. Crosby, who got a game misconduct. Philip Heedle, who's been super hot. Like I, a lot, a lot of things <laughs> were really on. Evgeny Malkin, who had a single shot on. Like a lot of things went incredibly wrong for me to lose this week. Yeah, unfortunately, no, it's yeah. it's been the story of my season. So we we could join together. You're you're still having a pretty good year. Well, what are you now? Seven and ten. Oh, you're still doing better than me. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what? Unfortunately, Crosby and Malkin had to go up against rock star superstar Phoenix Copley, who just got a contract extension. So I, I think just to put a little pin in that and say, that's not the right saying, put a pin in that pin. That means we're not going to talk about it. I just wanted to say quickly that I think now we should be pretty confident that Copley's not getting sent down, right? They didn't extend him for another year just to now wave him and like, you know, or whatever. I mean, that would be pretty like galaxy brain thinking like, oh, now we can send him down because a team might not want to take on this extra year of the contract. I don't think they did that, right? So maybe Peterson comes up, but probably not. So uh, just to throw that out there. Anyways, what are we talking about? Oh yeah, you know what I didn't even say yet, Brian? Uh, Keeping Carlson's very proudly presented by DauberHockey.com. Check it out for great articles and the amazing uh, resources over at Frozen Tools. Uh, but Beyond that, yeah, let's look at the other side. So yeah, we'll get to obviously the Tarasenko trade, but since we're talking about this Horvat for Beauvillier deal uh, and, and more, uh, so yeah, I mentioned Horvat's doing well. We did that show last week where we drafted the top forty for a couple. If we were redrafting now for the rest of the season, and we didn't take Bo Horvat, even though you know up till now, up to this point, he's been in the top forty. But I guess we just figured going to the Islanders probably not the best place for him. The Islanders aren't known to be a very high scoring team. Uh, 
Uh, but maybe it's like now that they have Bo Horvat, maybe they are a high scoring team because they have him. Uh, he's doing really well. Matt Barzal, by the way, went pointless in the last game, but had points in four straight, including a goal and two assists versus Vancouver. And remember how cold Barzal was before uh, Horvat came. So yeah, is it, do we now need to shift our brains and be like, okay, the Islanders are now a team that can score goals because they have Horvat, so we shouldn't dismiss him or Barzal or any of these guys. I don't think we totally did dismiss them. Like the Isles have been sneaky, offensively productive. Like they had this this reputation as like a clamp down defensive team. However, their offense was still pretty competent and capable. Uh, and so, you know, we would say, as I just did about Beauvillier, you know, there's a system in place. I think it benefits a couple players, but not everybody and not on a consistent basis. Um, so that's one of the reasons we didn't like Beauvillier there. Uh, but I like Bo Horvat anywhere just to get that out of the way. We've talked already this season about like the year Horvat is having is, yeah, he's overperformed. He's been shooting uh, over 20% for basically the whole thing. But that doesn't mean that Bo Horvat isn't uh, a 30 or potentially 40 goal scorer in the league. Like he's got a great shot. He's shooting more often. Uh, he knows how to get into dangerous areas. He's a huge huge key contributor on the power play 25 power play goals for Horvat over his last 125 games that's a power play marker every five games is a pretty solid clip to be scoring at uh now that Horvat is in Long Island the scoring bender has kind of continued though um which is like referring back to the 20 plus percent shooting percentage he's had three goals on 11 shots so far as an islander for Horvat which is above that's actually lifted his shooting percentage on the season, which is the reason why he's been doing this well. I think Horvat is a perfectly sound and solid 60-point player. There's upside for more, uh, especially, you know, if he can take more shots, which he is doing, like he's shooting more than ever this season compared to the rest of his career. So that's good for Horvat. Um, do I regret not drafting him in the top 35? No, I don't regret drafting Horvat in the top 35. I think we we did okay by recognizing that, yeah, this was a great time for the Canucks uh, and for Horvat for him to get hot because they both maximize the value that they can recoup from that experience. And it's great to see Horvat get off to such a fantastic start in Long Island but I don't expect him to continue scoring a goal every game. Uh, he's still a really effective shooter, by the way. He's been about a 15% shooter over the last couple seasons before this one, which was a slight improvement over the shooter he'd been before that. So I, I still think, again, I've said Bo Horvat can be a, a goal scorer in the neighborhood of 30 to 40 goals, but this good, 34 goals in 53 games, I, he'll cool down. Okay, I, I guess we'll see. Yeah, you you always like to say that we didn't, uh, you know, we didn't blow it. We, we we did fine. Yeah, he's on a heater. We'll see. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being in the top 35 for the rest of the year, but I'm sure we would have drafted him soon if, uh, you know, we went a little bit longer there. But it was a two plus hour show. We had to stop at some point. Uh, but anyways, Brian, I guess since we're here, I want to talk still about one more Islander and one more Canuck. Okay, so on the Islanders, Kyle Palmieri was super hot coming back from that injury. Uh, now with Horvat in the picture, Palmieri is off the top power play. Now he only has one goal in his last three games, which isn't that bad. Like if you look overall, he's still highly like whatever it is, six points in his last seven games or however it works out. But in the last game versus Montreal, no shots. Obviously a bummer to be bummed from the top power play. He's still on this good line with Nelson and Lee, but I feel like maybe now people need to reconsider. I actually have Paul, or had Palmieri to spoil the end of the story here in our keeper league that we're both in. I had Palmieri and I had Palat and I wanted to drop someone to pick up a defense and I ended up deciding to drop Palmieri and obviously he did me a favor and got like zero points and zero shots in that game versus Montreal so I didn't regret it uh, so do you think other people should follow suit and drop him if they added him and if he's available in free agency like is it time to like kind of move on like maybe decent streamer but not someone worth holding now that he's bumped from the top power play yeah, I totally agree on Kyle Palmieri that way. And that's an upgrade for Palmieri, right? Like before it's like, oh, forget it. Even if you could stream him, you shouldn't be very like, look at all the other options again before you stream in Kyle Palmieri. So maybe Kyle Palmieri is now like, yeah, stream him if you think you could use him now versus before when it was like, try not to. Uh, but yeah, I don't think he has that much business holding on to anyone's roster until we see any kind of consistent production, which I, I'm not I'm not sure we will. This is an interesting moment for him to maybe step up and be a, a meaningful contributor here in the like maybe in the top six in Long Island. But for now, uh, I don't think you need to hold your breath or hold him on your roster while you wait to find out exactly what happens here. 
Right. And then another guy who people are now wondering if they need to hold on their roster and rostered in a lot more leagues is back in Vancouver. We're just jumping back and forth here. Andre Kuzmenko, uh, uh, not looking great right now under new coach Rick Tuckett, right? He was playing on a line with Dakota Joshua and Sheldon Drees in that last game, a 5-2 loss to Detroit on Saturday. Kuzmenko's been bumped from the top power play for Beauvillier. So, you know, it's Palmieri and Kuzmenko, the big losers from this trade. Uh, and like, if you look at the ice time, only 10 minutes and 35 seconds of TOI in that last game he only has one goal and no assists in his last six games i'm talking about andre kuzmenko are we in snoozer territory i the thing is there was a time like earlier in the year where i asked you if it was snoozer time and i don't recall what your answer was but i do know that i dropped him in the couple and then he ended up going hot again and i really regretted it for a while now he's being shopped by the person who added him in tier one and uh you know i don't want to blow up a potential trade but brandon i think that uh, i'd be surprised if someone's interested but maybe brian will disagree if if someone was shopping kuzmenko in your couple division would you be trying to buy low or is it time to forget about him? Oh, yeah. I, I, this is a tough one because actually someone else dropped him in another league. I was in Kuzmenko and I picked him up when he was cold earlier and I wasn't sure if I'd hold him. He's been great for me since, but I was reevaluating my roster. I have Rob Thomas. It's not the deepest league coming off my IR and I need to find a drop. And I, I think it's going to be Kuzmenko who's playing fourth line minutes. Um, he's lost his top power play position i'm not sure he's getting like he was already losing some minutes under boudreau but i think it was still like a let kuzmenko play situation like let him do his thing keep him on the top power play let's let's see what he can show and uh you know of course then they sign him to a two-year extension and now it's just like well uh the coach the new coach doesn't seem to love him so what are what are we doing here hopefully this is just like a short-term issue but honestly elon in the short term I'm not that interested in Kuzmenko. Um, If I'm in a really comfortable position in my league standings, then yeah, I might afford to be patient with him for a week or two. But I'm actually like, I I, I think Elon, it's a little early for us to call someone a snoozer. Like usually we wait, I think a, a little longer, but I'm, I'm ready to put that label on Kuzmenko. He's lost all his meaningful deployment. Rick Tockett in an interview he did with Patrick Johnston with the Vancouver province was sort of like, implying something about Kuzmenko's game like no grit like he just he doesn't fight in puck battles and uh that's no good yeah well it's not good for Rick Taga he's not playing the kind of hockey that he wants the team to play so he's not going to get ice time and I like there's enough personnel to fill the top six and fill the top power play without Kuzmenko so we'll see if he can shape up to to jump back up the depth chart but I'm, yeah, I'm not feeling terribly optimistic that Kuzmenko has some really bright days ahead of him in the short term. And you might be looking to the medium term before we find him fantasy relevant again. Yeah, we're late in the fantasy season at this point. So maybe if you're like locked in with a buy for the playoffs, like sure, you could hold on and wait and hope things turn around. But yeah, if I'm if I need to win next week, I mean, it's tough because Canucks play Monday, Wednesday, like we said, for Beauvillier. So you kind of don't want to drop someone that has a good schedule. But I don't know if he's playing like these minutes, then it's hard to expect too much. We'll have to wait and see. Brian, uh, we still have the other big trade, the actual trade that happened this week to discuss and, and a ton more. But let's take a quick break. OK, so we'll take a break. We'll be back soon. You're listening to Keeping Carlson. All right, we are back, Brian, to talk about Vladimir Tarasenko and Nico Mikula being traded from St. Louis to the Rangers for a conditional first, a conditional 2024 fourth, Sammy Blay and Hunter Skinner. So basically for the first, right? You know, Sammy Blay did score a goal in the last game for St. Louis. Uh, but obviously the big name here is Vladimir Tarasenko, who's had an interesting couple games. Like obviously on short shifts, Lewis and Shams broke things down, uh, but they didn't have any data to go by. So it's nice to actually have these two games. And it, it's weird. So Tarasenko started with Panarin and Zibanejad versus Seattle, which sounds like like an amazing line. Like what a great spot to land in. He scored in that game, but he only took two shots and he was on the second power play so after game one it's like i mean what are you going to complain about like he's probably getting settled in i don't know like even the fact that he scored a goal is pretty great uh and in that game by the way Kreider, trocek and vc were making up the second line keeping the kid line together who we'll talk about in a little bit uh then in this next game versus carolina 6-2 win tarasenko started again on that same line but looks like then at some point things swapped and Kreider and panarin swapped spots so now panarin was playing with trocek and vc and Kreider was playing with 
with Tarasenko and Zibanejad. And Panarin had this huge game, four goals and one assist. Tarasenko did nothing. He had no goals. He had no shots. He only played 13 minutes and 25 seconds. It looks like the Rangers only had one power play. He didn't play on it, so he's still not on the top power play. So I don't know. At first, it really just seemed, when I saw the trade, I was like, this is so great for Tarasenko. He's going to play with Panarin. He's going to be on the top power play. It's going to be, and then when I saw he was going to play with like Zibanejad and Panarin, I was like, this is great. Now, all of a sudden, the lines are shifting. He's not getting power play time. I don't like these shots. And don't forget, before the trade, Tarasenko was colder. He was pointless in five games before this trade. So do we need to be a little bit worried about Tarasenko? Maybe this isn't great for him, or maybe it's like same for him, which is bad because he wasn't doing that well before the deal happened. Right, so he was already cold going into which, which kind of confounds things a little for Tarasenko and the Rangers, but... I mean, we always have a bit of a red flag for anyone changing teams, and just because it happens at the deadline doesn't make it any different. By the way, I did peek at some of the bigger names who were dealt last year. Uh, Claude Giroux to Florida and Marc-Andre Fleury to Minnesota were two of the the bigger name deals that went down that everyone was anticipating for a while, which I'm sure many of our listeners already remembered. Um, all right, so Tarasenko, yeah, we're, we're so mixed results in his early Rangers days. Um, and you mentioned there was the game where they just had the, the single power play and uh, 48 seconds of power play time on ice. And Heedle was on the ice for all of it, including the, the power play goal that was scored. In Tarasenko's first game, Heedle was also on the top power play unit for uh, the whole thing, except for the final power play, like in the last five minutes of the game, which made me raise an eyebrow, but then we found Heedle back on the top unit again to start the next game. Um, so I guess, I honestly, Elon, like I don't have much of an answer for you here. This is not a perfect start for Tarasenko. I think it's too soon to really make any big claims. Um, you know, the bright side is that Tarasenko is locked into a top six spot, although that is a downgrade compared to what he had in St. Louis, which was that plus top power play time. So I really don't know, you know, like it's, let's acknowledge it. Uh, but as far as actionable advice, I'm not sure what you can do except wait. Or you can you can find an optimistic Rangers fan and see if they, they want to get in on the excitement in your league. Like if, if you're lucky enough to have one who's like, like they're so excited to get Tarasenko, right? They're chanting his name and everything. Uh, so that that might be your best move. What would you say not to do, Elon? Yeah, I just wanted to tell you, like, uh, one thing I would not do is maybe, like, go out of your way to trade for Tarasenko, right? I think after the trade happened, a lot of people, I had a, a friend who messaged me saying, like, uh, in his Dynasty League, he was like, oh, man, I really want to trade for Tarasenko. I need to clear cap space right now. I'm trying to get rid of someone. And anyways, and it was like, uh, I was thinking, like, yeah, maybe he should because it was looking really good. You know, what was it, like, a few minutes into the game and Tarasenko already scored a goal in that line? Like, everything I said. Uh, now I'm starting to think, like, yeah, maybe things will be okay, but also maybe things won't. This might not actually be, like, such a great situation. Like, if he's not on the top power play, like what is that like that's like that's that's huge and that would definitely decrease his value a ton so definitely something to be a little concerned of yeah wait and see if you have him don't get rid of him or anything but definitely looking a lot less appealing at this moment but it's been two games so we'll have to wait and see uh but yeah the exciting line well i guess let's give some kudos by the way to artemi panarin uh five points in this game he now has nine points in his last four games another person that we didn't draft in our top 35 so off to a bat i'm sure if we were to rank the top 35 over the past seven days uh we're probably missing a couple people but obviously we'll have to give it a bit more time but yeah Panarin is amazing I guess for like a couple points he doesn't like shoot that much and obviously he hasn't had that many five point games this year but he's an amazing player uh and then the line of players that you might have people available to add in your fantasy league is that third line the kid on right Kako Lafreniere and Hedl and Hedl like you said is also on the top power play all of them are over a point per game over the past couple of weeks are we at a point, Brian, where like if you had any of these guys available to you in free agency in any of your leagues, you're you're looking to add them? Like maybe do you want to give me a quick ranking of the three? I'd imagine Heedle goes number one because he's the one getting the power play deployment. But yeah, right now all three Lafreniere. By the way, very exciting <laughs> Lafreniere. Everyone like so mad all season long about how Lafreniere has been getting this bad deployment, and all of a sudden now I don't know he's making it work. So that's great. I wonder if it's going to last. Yeah. I guess you'll tell me. Well, and he's had turns with good deployment, too, and hasn't done anything. And I feel like the frustration hasn't necessarily been that he's not getting good deployment. It's that, like, the last couple years, like, what what has the plan been to throw him into situations and ask him to do things that he's clearly not ready to do or, like, not setting up for success? Anyway, that's not the, the conversation we're going to have right now. You asked me to rank the, the kids' line. Uh, Heedle 
is my number one for sure. He's uh, he's scored five times on the last 16 shots at five on five. Um, and he had actually been on the ice for a five-on-five goal in eight consecutive games before having that streak on uh, snapped on Saturday against Carolina. Uh, but against Carolina, that's when Lafreniere and Kako were like, don't worry, we got this. And they were able to connect and put up points themselves too. So it's, it's lovely, you know, and especially for all the, the dislike that the Rangers have had for how they've developed these, all three of these players, Hedl, Kako, and Lafreniere, everyone's blossoming now all at once. So uh, maybe the Rangers are in a moment where they can thumb their nose at everyone, and maybe it'll be short-lived. I guess I guess we'll find out. But yeah, I want Hedl because he's on the top power play, then Lafreniere as a streamer, and then Kako, uh, who, you know, I still need to be convinced. I think, honestly, Elon, even at Kako's peak, he's not going to be a terribly offensive player. Like, I'm wondering if maybe, I, I, I don't know if I'm getting my comps mixed, but I wonder if maybe a Yuri Lettinen type, where he's like a good, solid, you know, forward who can play big roles and, and have a two-way game and put up 60 points. And that would be the sort of look for Capo Caco. Um, and then Panarin. Uh, yeah, well, you already covered him. He's been great. He's on a nice little roll. Maybe I'd have him ahead of Zach Hyman in uh, in our draft. I don't know, Elon. I, I looked mean, back. Hyman, at- Hyman has also been great. Like, he just scored yeah. a goal yesterday. Yeah, I, I was just teasing you. <laughs> um, I, You know, he, he's been shooting. Like, he only has two power play goals on this Panarin on 38 power play shots. He's shooting 5% on the power play versus his usual 10 or 11%. You know, so you could comp him that and he'd get up to maybe a 95 point pace. That's good. He's still, you know, is only taking about two and a half shots per game, which is still good, but it does, uh, it does, does penalize you a bit in leagues where you're not going on just points. And also Panarin's production has been really assist heavy as well. So there's a few reasons why Panarin might not have cracked and might not have justifiably cracked our top 35, but he's good. He's good. He's like a 90 to 100 point player, reliable, can have these big outbursts. So uh, good to see Panarin back on the board. Yeah, uh, definitely. If it was a points only league that we were ranking for, things would have gone a little differently. It's interesting that you said like Lafreniere is like still going to be really good in Kako. You're not sure. Maybe he's like up to a Yuri Lettinen type. They're both like basically equal in points. Actually, Kako has a couple more points so far this year. But obviously Lafreniere has that slightly bit bigger pedigree, first overall versus second overall. It'll be fun to see. Hopefully they'll just both prove uh, people wrong and end up being stars and the Rangers will all of a sudden be this like super stack. Imagine if like those, if that line continues to produce like this, this is like a scary team all of a sudden right like a real cup contender because they've already got a great top six without them and then these like three high pedigree guys and like the best goalie and a mate and like a norris winning defenseman along with keandre miller and truba who are also really good so it's like yeah scary i wish i was a rangers fan maybe you know what i'm a rangers fan just decided that's, that's the way life can work sometimes if, if you decide wow. if you believe <laughs> that's it all right rangers for the cup didn't Let's you have a it. didn't you have a long shot bet on them last year uh, probably. I don't know. Yeah. A year before, I never win those. I should just bet on Colorado and Tampa Bay. <laughs> like those. Yeah, are the... or just don't bet. Oh yeah, I actually didn't bet this year. Or did I? I don't even know if I bet this year. But uh, I don't recall one, so probably not. Uh, uh, what are we doing here? Oh yeah, so I wanted to look at the other side of this trade right over in St. Louis. Uh, so I guess they lose Tarasenko, but they do gain Ryan O'Reilly and Pavel Buchnevich, who are both returning from injury, and they did come back and play in the six-five overtime win over Arizona, which was like they got the win, which was nice, but pretty brutal that they were up like five-two with ten minutes to go, and then Arizona tied it with three goals, and then they were able to pull it off in overtime. So okay, we're, win's a win, right? I guess, are they even trying to win if they just traded away Tarasenko? But remember that year that they won the cup? Didn't they trade away someone big at the trade deadline also? Oh, man, I'm totally blanking. I'm, I'm pretty sure they made a big trade to, to dump someone, and then they won the cup. So, for whatever that's worth. Uh, I'll look it up next time you talk. But anyways, the lines in this game against Arizona, O'Reilly, Saad, and Buchnevich, and then Thomas, Kairou, and Shen, and then all the big names on the top power play. Shen, Kairou, Buchnevich, Thomas, and Krug. And I say all the top names, and I don't include Ryan O'Reilly because he's clearly no longer a big name. He had a goal in this game. He got the overtime goal. It was, and he had three shots. But I, I remember like looking like it, like deep into the third, or at least early in the third, and like he had like no points and no shots. Like it was looking like he was potentially going to put up a cardio session. So maybe he did something in overtime there and eventually scored that goal. But like Ryan O'Reilly's been so cold. 
And now he's off the top power play. So I would definitely not be interested in him. Uh, Buchnevich had three assists in this game. He's really great. Kairu had two assists. Rob Thomas had a goal. Is it fair to say it's basically just this top power play? Those are the appealing players on St. Louis, and that's it. So again, Shen, Kairu, Buchnevich, Thomas Krug, everyone else, maybe you stream, but like no one else, else is a hold, including Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah, I think that's it. Um you know, Brandon Saad is now tied for second on the team with Pavel Bujnevich and goals scored. They both have 15 on the year. Bujnevich has played uh, a couple fewer games than Saad, but still Brandon Saad, still not the most consistently rosterable player. But I think I'd rather him than Ryan O'Reilly, which isn't to say to hold on to Saad, but Ryan O'Reilly, what a 37 point pace this season. His power play production is just gone, gone, gone. Just two power play points in 38 games when O'Reilly usually gets to around or close to 20 power play points in a season. And uh, O'Reilly has 11 goals and six assists for 17 points, which uh, is bizarre for him. He usually assists more than he scores. I look through his numbers. There's really not much to like or point to to say he deserves a whole lot better. This has been a rough season for him. Uh, so Elon, this all to say, yeah, take the top power play in St. Louis and that's it. And keep an eye on Saad and O'Reilly as streamers in you know, some of your more desperate moments. All right. By the way, I, I must be wrong about this. I don't think St. Louis did trade someone in the year they won. They did trade Paul Stasny the year before at the deadline. I don't know, maybe I was thinking of that. But anyhow, I guess we can move on. One last thing on St. Louis, Jordan Binnington, three plus goals against in five straight games now, almost blew it, like I said, in this game against Arizona. Remember how disappointing he was last year? And everyone was like, wow, Binnington's really fallen off. If, If you're keeping track, his save percentage this year is even worse than last year. So that just goes to show how bad this season has been. Still on a lot of rosters, because unlike last year, he's still getting games because there's no Vili Huso there. It's just Thomas Grice as the backup, so he's not going to take over. But man, got to be a tough season to be rostering Bennington. I know you have him, Brian, in a couple leagues, or at least one. Yeah, I I know I have him in, in multiple leagues. And every Blues game that I tune into, either if I'm watching live or via Twitter, Bennington is basically the only reason that St. Louis is at all in the game. Like, he's tasked with making you know 14 outstanding out of this world saves a night or in some cases a period and you know he'll make 10 of them (laughs) then the others go in it's like oh wow Bennington's really having a bad season like think if you're hung out to dry goalies this year um you know you've got Markstrom playing in Calgary not not behind a very good defense a very together defense Carter Hart Spencer Martin Uko Pekalwokanen like this is where Bennington slots in in terms of the protection he's getting in St. Louis um which is to say he's seen some of the worst in the league not the worst but some of the worst and yeah Bennington could be doing better but I just uh I think he's being asked to do too much every night and there's no real opportunity for him to get on his feet and find his game where he's basically having to routinely make saves that bail his team out period after period night after night so uh this is not to say that it's great to have him at all it's not it sucks to have Bennington. uh i know because i do and i don't know when st louis is going to clean up their act enough for Bennington to be more worthwhile to roster all right, so that's it for the trades, Brian. Let's switch over now to some injuries. And of course, we've got a ton of injuries to talk about. And in fact, quite a few goalie injuries. Like over in Ottawa, uh, Cam Talbot had already been out. He's still out. Apparently, he's like going to be at least a week away for the Sands, but you know, nothing too, too serious. So Anton Forsberg was getting the net, and he had a rough go of it versus Edmonton. So Zach Hyman fell on him, and it looks like Forsberg is out indefinitely with right and left knee MCL injuries. So uh, word is he's likely going to miss the rest of this season. Hopefully, you know, he'll have whatever he needs and, and get back next year. But really, really bad luck uh, for him and for the Sens, right, who had a bit of a winning streak going. And now all of a sudden they're down to their third and fourth stringers. Uh, Mad Sogard has been called up as well as Mandalees. I feel like my sense is that Mandalees is like not meant to play in the NHL. So maybe it might just be Mad Sogard playing all four games this week coming up. So if you need a goalie, He's definitely someone that's going to get some net. Uh, so, Brian, what, you're you're a Sens fan. I'm sure. I, I know he's like supposed to be their goalie of the future at the moment. What are your thoughts on on Mad Sogard? And is he someone that you're excited about to finally see what he's going to be able to do here with an, a really extended role, at least for a week until Talbot is back? Yeah, I, I I can't say I'm like terribly optimistic that Sogard is like so ready to 
be able to step in and, and take on minutes behind a team that is struggling in all ways. Like Ottawa, their five on five play has been rough. Uh, their defense has been like pretty poor. I think maybe Shabbat is playing injured or something. He he hasn't been looking so well and they lean on him for, you know, sometimes 30 minutes a night right now. So playing behind Ottawa is not an awesome place to be. Um, so we'll, I guess we'll see what Sogard manages. For anyone who doesn't know him, uh, he's big. All right. He's a six foot seven, 201 pounds, was drafted in the second round back in 2019. So uh, like, and, and he's looked okay on his development path so far, but he's still like he just turned 22 years old a couple weeks ago. Um, so while the Sugard could be a player at some point, not sure if that point is now. However, we've seen a lot of goalies step in and do pretty well with little experience or a little pedigree even, and or little age, like being young. I mean, Jackson Stauber is another example of somebody who's done all right lately, uh, coming into the league with little to no warning. So we'll see what he can do if you're desperate for a goalie. I mean, Ottawa, on the flip side, has a still a pretty decent top six, and they can win some games with that. Oh, right, and on the back end, uh, Jake Sanderson being injured also really, really hurts for whoever's playing goalie. So I would expect Sogard to to get a look here. I think Mandalese will probably be more of the backup, but it all depends on how the first couple starts go and how long it is until Talbot's back. Uh, I guess this is all a long-winded way to say you can add Sogard, but I'd, I'd be careful about him being able to not blow up your numbers. Yeah, well, especially if you're saying that Shabbat hasn't looked like himself and now Jake Sanderson is hurt. So yeah, that's the other big injury from this game. Not a great game uh, for the Sens there uh, in terms of the, you know, now what they're going to have to deal with moving forward. Sanderson's out apparently at least two weeks after suffering an upper body injury. And he, like, unlike Shabbat, has looked great lately. We've been talking about him on all these shows. He scored a goal. Brian, in fact, get this. He scored that goal versus Edmonton. I like had in in our keeper league, and I like pretty much had my matchup wrapped up, thankfully, against Shams, which is very exciting for me. Shams won the league last year, and he's like at the top of the standings again. So I can't believe that I, I won this matchup. Very exciting for me. And then so I was looking forward to next week, and the Sens play Monday, Tuesday. I needed a defenseman. I was like, all right, let me just grab you know like a mid game ad. Very rare, right? So I don't even get the you know uh, if this was the cupful, the roster bot would ping me because he would get added to my bench, and then it would look as if I benched someone who scored a goal like a dum dum. But no, I just added a mid-game. And then like as the game continued, he got injured and now he's out two weeks. So I'll probably have to drop him tomorrow. So very disappointing. Sucks. Uh, if you can get Sander- – like if Sanderson wasn't ever added in your league, I think now's a good opportunity to stash him in your IR because he is looking really good. Hopefully he'll come back 100%. Uh, but yeah, as far as fantasy implications here, I mean, yeah, I guess Eric Brandstrom maybe will get some of that second power play time. But he's gotten power play time before and done nothing. So I'm, I'm definitely not interested in him. Uh, I don't know. You could tell me if you disagree. I, but I've asked you about him before and you've told me you don't disagree uh then one other notable person on ottawa i'll bring up uh, we got a hot streak here matthew joseph looking really good lately he's been playing on the top line with brady kachuk and tim stutzla and joseph you recall kind of did this last year right he, he went to the sends and got on a good line and then was like almost a point per game and now it seems like he's doing it again he just needs really good deployment uh and like i said the sends have a good schedule next week They'll go monday tuesday and then they also play friday and Sunday, I believe. Uh, so at least for Monday, Tuesday, if you could fit him in for both of those games, I think Matthew Joseph could be interesting. So curious to get your take on him. Yeah, Matthew Joseph, one of the uh, the trade deadline deals or trade deadline close. Remember, Nick Paul was uh, traded to Tampa and he had a pretty solid impact there. Not so much in fantasy, uh, but you're asking about Matthew Joseph here in Ottawa now. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they're showcasing Joseph for like another deadline deal. I'm not sure what he's doing in the top six, especially because I don't know if you remember, but there was like a few weeks ago, maybe where Ottawa's playing Pittsburgh and Matthew and his brother P.O. or Pierre Olivier for long were playing each other in Ottawa, like Pittsburgh was visiting Ottawa and like his whole family was there. Joseph had been injured, but he was ready to play. He was healthy. And then Coach Healthy scratched him. For that night. So like everyone had come to see the two brothers play each other. And uh, DJ Smith was like, no, not, not going to happen tonight. And it seemed like for no good reason. And, and from that point, it was like, well, what is does is there something wrong with Matthew Joseph that coach has against him? Is there uh, like an injury that's lingering, even though we were told that he was completely healthy? So I don't know, Elon. I just still have that in the back of my mind, thinking why, why? Maybe it's just for lack of any other option that Matthew Joseph is being used in the top well, six. I think I could line. answer. Like if you're asking, yeah. I can give you my opinion. Okay. It looks like the Sens are going pairs. The, it looks like they've got 
uh, Kachuk and Stutzler that play together with someone. And then they've got Dabrinkit and Giroux that play together with someone. And those, and then Batherson, they also want, it looks like they're trying to, I guess Batherson and Pinto are on the third line kind of getting paired with someone. And so it's just kind of like they're just trying to have three even lines. So you got to put someone there. And Joseph, I think, got the best. I mean, not to argue with what Ridley Gregg gets playing with Giroux and Dabrinkit, uh, but Joseph is the one playing with, I think, the top scores on the, I don't know it's tough to say Giroux and Dabrinkit are also really amazing uh, but yeah I think that's the answer and I don't think it's like he's especially amazing but I think just he's clearly shown that he's someone that can produce in a you know top line role yeah I don't think Matthew Joseph has clearly shown that he's clearly someone who can produce in a top line role like he uh, anyway I, I think how long has I he think, been on this line I don't know and then last year I, all I'm thinking of yeah I don't know if like any yeah other you're thinking of like those had. two games yeah from last year and now we have a, an example of like another couple games here yeah I, yeah so go go for it you know fill your boots go add Matthew Joseph while he's playing well, like, I want to bully you into telling people no, I mean, <laughs> it's, a, it's a great place in the lineup to be playing like I'm bu- you know what Elon I'm busy answering like is Matthew Joseph a legit top six player my answer is no but is Matthew Joseph playing with Brady Kachuk and Tim Stutzla? My answer is yes. So the same way that we've talked about, you know, go add uh, Mike Amadio or even Paul Cotter in Vegas. I was watching the game. So I have, uh, I'm trying to think of who, Cody Glass, Yusuf Parsonen, like this tier of like the third guy, go for it. Go see if he can do anything for you, especially with a decent Ottawa schedule. Just don't have your expectations too high. Yeah, I definitely watch game day lines. And if, you know, he's not playing on that line. He's not going to keep up. Like right now, he's got four points in his last three games. Joseph is not going to keep this up, of course. I'm still bummed about Jake Sanderson. I was really excited to get him in one league and then for him to get hurt. But okay, Brian, we still have a bunch of other goalie injuries. We'll get to them in just a sec. After a quick break, you're listening to Kevin Carlson. Okay, we are back once again. And Brian, you mentioned how Mad Sogard is young. Maybe we'll have to see what he's going to be able to do now, getting a big opportunity. Another young goalie who took the reins with a big opportunity was Logan Thompson over in Vegas. And unfortunately, he's out long term. He's week to week. Really frustrating. I have him on my couple team. I've lost now two. I had Mark Stone and I had Logan Thompson. So both my Vegas studs that were somewhat carrying me now, you know, gone for a while. So whatever. My season's gone for a while also. Uh, so of course, everyone's been jumping on Aiden Hill, who's taken over. And Hill's having a decent season, right? 9-11 save percentage. Two strong starts recently versus Nashville and the Islanders. Uh, that was before today, actually. So I could actually bring it up here and see. I know Vegas played against Anaheim. Yeah, they won 7-2. So another win for Aiden Hill. Now Laurent Parassois is going to get called up from the AHL. He's having a solid season there, 909 save percentage in the A. I was seeing some tweets saying that Brossois was looking good a while back. Uh, they both make around the same amount of money, Brossois and Aiden Hill, though obviously Hill is the one who held the job. And Brossois, when he came back from his injury, was sent to the minors. Is this a, a situation where, like, obviously, like, add Aiden Hill, like, pause the pod and get him because now he's going to be the volume starter? Or is it possible that now with Brossois back and healthy, like, maybe they'll just be 50 50 because it's like, you know, it's Aiden Hill? It's like, he's not, uh, he's not amazing. Yeah. I, I lean more towards that than pausing the pod to go get Aiden Hill. I did have a moment in one of my leagues where I, I could have used a goalie and I was hovering over the add Aiden Hill button. I was like, oh, do I really think that he's going to be the no doubt starter? No, I don't. I think this is probably an open competition and Aiden Hill has never held a job, nor has Boissois for, for what that's worth. Uh, Laurent Boissois, by the way, in the AHL. 8, 11, and 3 this season with Henderson and a 909 save percentage. So, like, those are okay numbers. Uh, we've seen him perform well as a backup in the NHL before, but never really hold up as a starter. But, it, like, again, we're going in circles now because I'm going to tell you that you could say the same thing for Aiden Hill, uh, who I don't even think has had as successful a backup run as Prosoa had that one year where he was backing up Hallibuck and was just so lights out in, like, the nine appearances he got or however many it was. So, I, if you're looking for volume, I think you can look elsewhere between these Vegas goaltenders but if you're looking for a win I don't know you still might want to look elsewhere because they're not great and Vegas isn't awesome but uh you know if you're desperate you're desperate and you can and you can gamble on one of them but I I guess I'll give the the slight advantage of course to Aiden Hill he's the incumbent he's already had the backup job he got the first start with Thompson out uh so I guess that's where I'd start if you're desperate enough to look for a goalie that one of these guys might help you yeah, like unfortunately, Vegas has a really bad schedule next week. They just play Thursday, Saturday, and Saturday's a super busy day. So if you already have two goalies, they might already be playing. So you might be adding Aiden Hill just to get one game next week. Uh, but yeah, I mean, 
If you like, if you need a goalie, I'd give him a shot, right? I remember that time when Kemper got injured, and then like I think Charlie Lindgren had been not looking so good in his previous few games, and so we were talking about like the new guy who was called up that was going to now back up Charlie Lindgren. It's kind of a similar situation as this. Then it turned out that Lindgren was like lights out for the time that Kemper was injured, and definitely we should have the proper advice would have been pause the pod, grab Lindgren, and you know get riches. But so it it could happen. So I'm like I'm just saying like probably it's worth trying Aiden Hill, but. I'm just giving you reasons to be apprehensive that he's not like a guaranteed starter here. Well said. Okay. So let's go to another goalie injury. Not a surprising one. Unfortunately, Matt Murray is back on the IR. Lewis and Shams covered this on the last short shifts. Uh, But in the meantime, Ilya Samsonov just looking really good. He just shut out Columbus stopping 30 overall. Samsonov's having a great season, like 917 save percentage. You know, many people like go and like mock Dubas, right? They're like, what were you thinking? Getting Matt Murray. You took this crazy big contract. He's so injury prone. I think they're going to, you're overlooking the fact that like Samsonov, is like signed for 1.8 million he's an rfa at the end of this year so he's still cost controlled he's only 25 i feel like this is like a huge win potentially i'm not saying that samsonov's a guaranteed superstar but he's a high pedigree guy that the leafs somehow got for cheap and i'm not like so so nervous like in fantasy like i'd love to get samsonov now with murray back on the ir i wish that i had grabbed him in, out of free agency when i had the chance just like lewis said he wished he had or i think lewis even said he had samsonov and then dropped him at some point in the couple because you know it was a tandem or whatever anyway if you're out of curiosity, because there's no advice to give, right? Obviously, get, this is a pause the pod and grab Samsonov because the Leafs are so good. Like, if you can get him. Let me ask you, if you're Dubas right now, do you, like, try to lock Samsonov in long term at this point? Like, just lock him into, like, a six-year deal? Or do you, like, wait? Like, I'm just curious to get your sense on, like, how much you believe in this guy at this point from what we've seen this year. Yeah, I guess it depends on what it costs to lock Samsonov down. Let's say, into okay, that. let me throw it in. Let's say, like, four mil per year for six years. Something like that. Four yeah i mean the the Leafs sort of made that deal for freddie anderson right when they got him from anaheim as having been like an oft injured but seemingly having that number one upside starter they signed him to a long-term deal without having seen so much and it worked out pretty well i think if you can uh if you can sign a goalie six years times four that's not a bad place to be. I guess the question is, are you are you setting $4 million on fire by doing that, by signing Samsonov? And his his numbers so far indicate no. In fact, um, you know, I mentioned Biddington wasn't getting a whole lot of support. Would you believe that Samsonov also has not been getting fantastic protection? And yet he, unlike Bennington, is really, really, really rising to the occasion. In fact, Samsonov, uh, amongst all goalies who have seen at least uh, 750 unblocked shot attempts towards him at five on five samsonov leads them all in his delta fenwick save percentage which is the uh, the degree to which he's outplaying his expected fenwick save percentage uh and he's outplaying it by 17 save points which is a, a big deal like that's the difference between a 934 and a 951 so uh samsonov is having a fantastic season but this is the first time in his career that he's doing it as a rookie he was pretty good he was like five or six save points above expected at five on five with washington and that was followed by well as we know a couple seasons that were less than ideal where he was underplaying his expected numbers so this is a guy we've seen some ups we've seen some downs right now he's in a big up and i don't know like i feel like this was dubas's strategy this season throw a couple darts see if any of them hit and i think he's had somewhat reasonable success uh, but Part of the strategy was also to do it on the cheap. And I wonder if, you know, the the Leafs don't have a whole lot of cap space to play with. So I wonder if doing it on the cheap will continue to be one of the the the, the MOs of the Leafs front office in net. Uh, I, guess, I guess your overall question, is, do you want to commit to Samsonov long term? Like if you're in a cap league, is this what you're hoping for? Huh. It's a it's a tough one. I would say I would like Samsonov on a good team. I would be afraid with, uh, I would be worried about him on a middling team. And that's even saying that this year he's seen uh, worse protection in Toronto at five on five than he ever did in Washington. 
Yeah, I mean, Samsonov, I don't know. I like him. I think that the Leafs did a smart thing. And whatever. He also, by the way, had those three amazing years in the KHL before he came over, uh, which is why he was like in the same conversation as just Jorkin and Sorokin. Anyways, Brian, we still have more injuries to go. But I'm seeing Andy is here in the chat. We have a perk for patrons of Keeping Carlson that you come join us for these live shows. And uh, Andy said it's halftime and he's here. So I want to just jump quickly to Andy's question. I know he wanted us to answer about Travis Konechny. I, I posted on the Discord asking the patrons, is there anyone in particular that you want us to discuss in today's show? And Andy said like Travis Konechny pointless in seven. Oh wait, you know what? I'm blowing it here. It's Shams who asked. Well, Shams is also here. Sorry. Andy had a question too. I'll get to his after, but Shams asked if Travis Konechny is a snoozer. And by the way, Konechny once again today, I said pointless in seven. Uh, he played today against Seattle and Travis Konechny had no points and no shots. Oh no. Yeah. He had a cardio game. No couple points at all for Konechny today. This is crazy. We, I just remember us talking about him as like the biggest steal in the draft. Weren't we like doing some stats? I think Kevin ran some stats. And like anyone who drafted Konechny had like a super high chance of being in playoff uh, position in couple because of what a value pick he was. And all of a sudden he's just totally disappeared. By the way, Philly has a rough schedule next week. They only play Thursday, Saturday, same as Vegas. What, what's going on? <laughs> like, there's no way we can tell people to drop him, right? But at the same time, if you're in a key, like if you're fighting for the playoffs, you got two, three weeks left. Like, what are you supposed to do with someone who's doing absolutely nothing? That's a really difficult question because Travis Konechny has been doing something all season long. In fact, with eight games pointless, he's still on a point per game pace. Like Konechny's still pacing for 82 points over 82 games, despite not having put up a point in a long time. I don't think... I don't think you can drop him. Even if you're desperate, I think you're going to need him down the stretch. I guess my one Konechny theory is maybe he's getting tired. Like, maybe that's it. He's playing nearly three more minutes per night on average compared to last year, which was also a career high. In fact, Konechny is now seeing over 20 minutes a night. He hadn't even seen 17 minutes a night in a season before last year. So Konechny's being asked to play a lot. And when he's playing, he's being asked to do a lot. So that's, that's Elon, my, my one theory or piece of insight into this cold snap for Konechny. Maybe a light schedule next week is just what the doctor ordered, although he is coming off the all-star break and still struggling. So I, I guess, you know, I, I think maybe the, the takeaway here is to keep an eye on Konechny. If you've got him, he's not someone I'm rushing to buy low on because even though his numbers, like Konechny's been sustainably producing all season long. Like we've we've backed this up with the numbers we've been seeing. It's been like, yeah, no, he's really been this good. Um, but I'm not rushing to go buy low in case this is just the end of the season. Like we're, we're it's been a long year in Philadelphia and for Travis Konechny he's worked hard uh and if I've got him I'm at least just keeping an eye on him to make sure yeah he is still doing what I expect him to do based on the first half of the year yeah I mean that's a good theory like maybe he's tired like I think probably I would lean more towards like I think now's a good opportunity to get him actually like obviously it depends how low you're buying on a buy low obviously the easiest is just for him to get dropped and then you can get him for free but like he was just so amazing and he's like so cold now that either like yeah he's playing injured or he's tired or there's something up or it's just like a crazy weird piece of variance and now's a good chance to steal him yeah he did have seven shots in one of these games that he was pointless in you would have thought maybe something would go in. But he, like I said, zero shots today. So that that's, might be the nail in the coffin. And now with like this week coming up, yeah, watch your free agencies for him, for Connecting being dropped now with no games until Thursday. And I think that, that might be, and the perfect thing is, you know, he gets dropped on Monday or whatever. Then he doesn't clear waivers till Wednesday. And all of a sudden you're not, you're not getting the bad week. You get him on Thursday. You know, you, you don't lose. You could still have another couple players for those first couple games. So good opportunity potentially to go get a guy. Okay. Here is Andy's question. Uh, he wanted to ask about Joe Pavelski, who is also cold, not as cold as Konechny, but Pavelski is now pointless in three games. And I don't know. What does he have? Like five, four assists in his last nine games before that he was doing amazing. Like he was having an ama- basically similar to Konechny, right? He was having like almost a point per game year. And now he's gone a little bit cold. Uh, you know, Pavelski's still on that top line, top power play. So my guess is this is just like a variance thing also. But Brian, what, or not also because he didn't necessarily have that answer with Konechny. But yeah, what do you think about Pavelski? Are you nervous about him? Or do you think he's for sure going to be fine? I just, I just think we need to wait. Like it's just been a few games. Pavelski's deployment and shots are 
unchanged, really, from what we'd expect. They're not so far out of line. So I think, Andy, like, let, let's just... Let's just hang on a little longer before we dive in. I, I don't think it would be really informative. <laughs> not, not to say you're not like I understand you need your stars to be producing. Uh, but let's give Pavelski another week and see what what things look like. And if he's on a Konechny type cold snap before long, we'll dig in. OK, I got I'll I'll, pin, I'll write this down. I was going to say I'll pin it. I'm just, that's my new saying for anything. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll make sure that if Pavelski gets no points next week, he will come back onto the podcast. But OK, Brian, we were in injuries. So let me go back there. And then we'll get back to some more cold streaks in a little bit. We were still or I guess we're, we got through the goalie injuries, thankfully, but still some big stars. So fr- first of all, Jack Hughes. That's huge. That was discussed on short shifts, but I just wanted to bring it up quickly with you. Hughes was on a nine-game point streak with nine goals and nine assists in those games, and now he's out for a while. So it's like such a bummer. I would have been really excited to see how many goals he would end the season with. I wonder if he'll still be able to hit 50, but... I don't know. I don't know how many more games he's going to have. Uh, in the meantime, looks like there were some line shakeups in the 3-2 shootout loss to Minnesota on Saturday. Palat and Hishier were sometimes with Brat, but then spent the majority with Dawson Mercer. So keep an eye on if Dawson Mercer now is getting a good deployment again. That happens every once in a while. Sometimes he produces. Brat was moved to a line with Haula and Sharon Govich, where like all of a sudden this top six looks a lot less like stacked, I guess, once uh, Hughes is out of the picture. It was really nice having those two awesome centers in Hughes and Heeshear. Uh Brat still on the top power play. No reason to be concerned about Brat, I assume. Like, I don't love his line mates, Hala and Sharon Govich, but obviously he's a good player. I don't know. Brat's always been with either Hughes or, or Heeshear, so I just get a little nervous when I yeah, see him without one of them. I think Jesper Brat can handle himself, and I'm curious to see if he can. Uh, but my hunch is that he can. Like, I'd rather Jesper Brat be playing with Jack Hughes. Uh, Eric Hala is still a half-decent option, and... Yeah, I'll, I just keep going back to Brad is still really good. So maybe there's an adjustment period. And again, not as good as with Jack Hughes. But I, my expectation is not that Jesper Brat collapses or disappears because he's playing with Haula and Sharon Govich. I mean, it's definitely possible. It's a change in scenario. But I'm hopeful, and I think he's capable, uh, that Jesper Brat will just continue being Jesper Brat. Yeah, I think just like something to watch like don't yeah I, i'm totally with you brian not something to overreact about but just like eh, that's that kind of stinks if i have brat and hopefully it'll be fine but i'm going to be watching a little closely because you know sometimes if you have a player on your team that's like a star you don't even notice when the cold streak unless it's like a really long cold streak because you just don't have to wor- you know that's the nice thing about having a star player you don't have to kind of worry about them. like there was those couple games where pasternak didn't take a lot of shots and i was just like whatever i'm not going to spend time stressing out about david pasternak because he's a superstar so brat's obviously not at that level but he's been so amazing he, he, you just give him some rope for sure no matter what uh uh, he sure, by the way, another cold streak of a, of a star player here. Only one assist in his last five games. Does it hurt him that Hughes is out? I guess like it hurts him on the power play because Hughes is obviously a big part there and he could have been assisting or scoring on goals that Hughes was a part of. Uh, is there anything also to like, you know, now his line is the line. Like I'd imagine, but when Hughes was around, you know, the other teams definitely need to be putting good defensive players against Jack Hughes. Now they could put their best defensive players against Nico Hesher, right? Yeah, I mean, he sure, believe it or not, was actually seeing already like the hardest competition, uh, harder competition than Jack Hughes was in terms of like looking. If you're ranking, this is how HockeyViz ranks competition by percentage of ice time that players get. And then they're sort of ranked, okay, the top percentage of ice time getters on a team are considered the hardest to play against because they're on the ice the most. That's who coach wants out there. Um, so by that measure... Yeah, Nico Heischer is already seeing the hardest competition harder than Jack Hughes. So, uh, like, he gets matched up with other teams' best lines already. Jack Hughes usually gets the next best, which I, I assume is how New Jersey likes it. Um, maybe Heischer's, uh, maybe Jack Hughes gets, like, the most defensive-oriented lines, and that's sort of a, a nuance here that we could pick apart. But, again, Heischer already plays. Like, Jesper Bratt, still good uh, as a great player. Uh, Nico Heischer already plays against top competition. So I can't see other teams throwing anything different at him, really significantly slowing him down. I guess the slowdown potential is maybe the power play is a little less successful without Jack Hughes. 
Yeah. Ugh, I hate injuries like this. It's just like everyone's kind of getting hurt. Like maybe the one person who's benefiting is like an Andre Palato. I think Palat was on already the top line and top power, well, top line, like playing on the Heesher line and he was on the top power play even when Hughes was there. It's now, I guess, Tatar gets back on the top power play. So maybe he gets, uh, but whatever. And Tatar did score a goal in the last game. But like Palat is someone I wanted to bring up anyways. Uh, I, I did ask Lewis and Shams to bring him up on that last short shifts and, and they did. And like Palat continues to produce, right? He had an assist in the last game. We're now up to five points in the last three games for Palat and you know it's kind of like who did I bring up before I was just like if you're on the top line oh well I think he's better than like a Matthew Joseph because he's only on the top line and not on the top power play oh like a Beauvillier I guess yeah we could compare like a Palat to Beauvillier like maybe like this isn't someone we've been able to depend on for a while but at the end of the day if you've got a guy on the top line and top power play with really good players how could you not be interested so I feel like if Palat's available in free agency for you he's someone you should go for yeah being on the top power play is good and that's what Palat needs to be relevant uh, you know, you can give him a fresh turn if Pilat has already disappointed you. I'll keep my expectations tempered, of course, but the only time that Pilat has been consistently rosterable has been when he's on a top power play unit. So let's see what he can do with this uh, with this promotion while Hughes is out. Yeah, and I guess one last thing on New Jersey. Got to get some kudos to Dougie Hamilton. Holy cow, 14 points now in his last seven games. He is so, so good. He's basically producing like people were hoping he would two seasons ago. Finally doing it now. And one season ago. I was hoping he would do this one season ago. But I hear what you're saying. He's doing he's doing the thing that we knew or thought, we confidently thought that Dougie Hamilton could do. Uh, I saw a stat the other day, the first Devils defenseman to hit 50 points since, uh, Elon, can you name the last one? Uh, Brian, I'm sorry. I, I took a peek at your notes. So I know the uh, answer, but I definitely wouldn't have gotten it. it I would have said like Marek Zidlitsky and I would yeah. have been wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's Brian Rafalski. And I think this was a long time ago. I, I forgot the year. It could have been late 90s. When was this? I don't know. I should have had this. Look. I think that's fine. I, I think people in will a, be fine. In any case, yeah, <laughs> it's it's been a really long time. And Rafalski needed like most of the season to do it. Meanwhile, Hamilton is on a point per game pace. Yeah, Rafalski did it. I looked it up in 2000, 2001, 52 points in 78 games. So Hamilton just needs one more point in his next 26 games to beat Rafalski's ta- tally from that entire season. Great year for Hamilton. And uh, yeah, he's he's the real deal. That's it. Yeah, 3.6 shots per game so far, which is also a career high for him. So it's just everything's just like working out really well for anyone who drafted Dougie Hamilton. You got to steal there for sure, because he might be like among like maybe he's even the top defenseman for the rest of the season. I wouldn't be surprised at all. I mean, obviously, there's a couple other good contenders there, but Hamilton definitely is going to be among them. All right, Brian, we still have a ton to get to more injuries, like a lot more injuries. Rasmus Anderson, Burakovsky, Troy Terry, Philip Forsberg, Chick- well, Chikrin's not injured, but he's not playing right now. Uh, then we've got those cold streaks. I got hot streaks. We got a lot to go. So how about this? Let's do a whole other episode, okay? We're going to stop this episode, and then right away, we're going to start recording part two of this mega show. So if you're listening to this after the fact uh, in your podcast feed, you're hopefully subscribed to Keeping Carlson on your Google Podcast, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your shows. Just, you know, take a look up and you should probably see the next episode already there so check it out hope you like it hope you like this one and we'll be back soon with part two of this uh, mega show while other people are watching the super bowl see ya